Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of 21st Century Pain Solutions. My very special guest tonight is Miss Leanne Deitch. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So a bit of background first. Uh, Leanne is a licensed clinical social worker who graduated from Portland State University and also got a master's in social work. She is passionate about facilitating community wellness and connection through education and empowerment. I love that statement in your bio there, Leanne. You know, she currently provides individual therapy and classes in the adult outpatient program at the Lynn County Mental Health in Albany, Oregon. And she's also been intimately involved in the development and creation of the Oregon Pain Science Alliance and was an organizer of the current year's summit, which I attended and met Leanne from a distance. And also she's been involved with a few other activities with that over the last few years. But tonight we're going to dive down deep and we're going to talk about what she does in her day job. And a lot of it is related to something called acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT. And also she involves yoga and mindfulness within this biopsychosocial framework, sort of the leading edge approach to dealing with chronic pain. So, Leanne, I think that's enough of me talking. Let's switch it over to you. Give us some background on yourself. Where did you grow up and how did you get into this field? Well, I was raised in the Midwest and then moved out to Oregon and did my schooling out here. I have an undergraduate in sociology and a master's in social work. And then I've been working for a county mental health department for several years now. I serve predominantly a Medicaid and Medicare receiving clientele. I work with folks with quite a bit of trauma history. And when I came onto the team in 2014, I just asked what was the need on the team as far as groups. And my supervisor of the time said a group for people with chronic pain. And I hit the ground running. (laughs) So I researched and developed a curriculum using acceptance and commitment therapy. And then started teaching the class exclusively in four cities in our region here. And combining mindfulness and yoga as part of the curriculum. Okay, so many of our viewers will not know what ACT is. So Hmm. could you just give us a ground level description of what this therapy is? So acceptance and commitment therapy has some kind of basic tenets to it. One is mindfulness is a big part of acceptance and commitment therapy and something called cognitive diffusion or thought diffusion, which is this idea of getting some distance from our thoughts. It's based in something called relational 
frame <laughs> something, but basically about how language in our heads is quite a source of misery. So there's a lot about just kind of taking some distance from our thoughts and different from CBT. You're not really engaging thoughts, but more just kind of acknowledging that they're there and that's the way that the mind works and using tools to kind of let them go. A big part of acceptance and commitment therapy is values-based living, very, being very clear about one's personal values and then basing goals off of those values and taking what are called committed actions. And then the acceptance part, which is accepting thoughts, accepting emotions, accepting sensations. So when I first started out, I was using a traditional acceptance and commitment therapy model, which would be accept my pain, there's nothing I can do about it, focus on my values and move forward in valued living. But then I stumbled onto modern pain science. And actually, I've made quite an adjustment in my curriculum since learning about that. And that is now basically kind of the foundation of my class. And I've even kind of put a spin on acceptance and commitment therapy so that it aligns with the modern science. Okay, so let's dive into this. What is this breakthrough that you had with modern science that changed the direction? So I ran into Dr. Kevin Kukaro. And he very gently and kindly kind of guided me towards modern pain science because I can do something about my pain. In fact, I am the most important person when it comes to my pain in terms of what I can do about it. So, you know, the fundamentals of pain is about protection. Pain is an output of the brain. Pain is a constructed experience of sensations, thoughts, and emotions. You know, the neuroplasticity component. That What really intrigued me was the relationship between trauma history and persistent pain as an adult, just because of the population that I work with and learning about, you know, the threat wired brain and, you know, nervous system and perception of danger. So it just fit in really well with the work with the folks that I work with here. But also I wanted to make sure I was putting accurate information into my community. Exactly. And it's, it still fascinates me today that trauma history is not recognized as mm-hmm. in-stream information within the medical or even science fields as why chronic pain actually becomes chronic pain. And I'm sure that was a a huge breakthrough for yourself and empowering experience because all of a sudden we realize that, yes, the brain is neuroplastic, which means it's like plasticine, right? We can put it in our hands and we can mold it into something different. And then your therapy is amazing. Just what you've described so far with the distance from the thoughts and how you can literally say, right, no to this and yes to this. And because of that, you know, we, we go down a different journey, a different pathway for our, not only our lives, but our brain creating new highways of information and breakthroughs into states where we can literally see our pain go down and change it, right? It's a beautiful thing once you get this. And it's a beautiful thing that what you're doing with these community courses and just bringing this up to the fore. So kudos to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have a little um, example here. Now, our audience is maybe listening to this and they're thinking, okay, but what, what do you mean about your thought distancing? Like, come on, like, our thoughts are our thoughts, they're recurrent. Like, how can our audience take some perils of wisdom here and implement that into their lives today? So when I do my section on thought diffusion, I, the title of it is, you and your thoughts are not the same thing. 
And that can be a pretty stunning thought to people (laughs) is our thoughts are a very dominant part of our experience. And often my visual is that getting distance from the thoughts is if I take my hands and I cover my face with them. And I said, you know, how is it different when my thought is like this? Yep, exactly. And then I pull my hands away and I said, Now, what can I do when it's here (laughs) that I can't do when I'm blinded by it or where I'm looking at the world through my thought? It creates a belief system, right? And a perception of reality, which I act on. So I'm acting on my internal experience instead of what maybe is actually happening in reality around me. So in acceptance and commitment therapy, there are some tools to do that. One is labeling thoughts. It could just be a thought comes up and often I'll say, oh, here's me. (laughs) Here's me judging. (laughs) Here's me criticizing myself, right? Just kind of categorizing the thoughts. Anything to kind of create a buffer to make it more objective is the goal. Or leaves on a stream is a pretty classic thought confusion. It's this idea of I can, you know, visualize myself putting a thought on a leaf and then just sending it down the stream. This act of acknowledging and letting go. Name the story, thank your mind, is one of my favorites. And that's just uh, recognizing that often our thoughts are stories in our head about ourselves, about the world, about past memories. And so put a title on it. (laughs) It's there all the time. We're very familiar with it. And I encourage my folks to put a funny title to it if they can. And then whenever the story comes up, they shout out the title, thank their mind, and come back to the present. Beautiful. So these are the main three approaches you've got with thought diffusion. Mm-hmm. Those are the three that I teach. Yeah. Excellent. And I would encourage, you know, our audience to do this. Put a label around what you're saying. It's a great idea. And I actually find that in a similar way, when we get labels from our doctors or say we've got arthritis in your spine, and then the label just embeds that whole concept of, oh, that's the reason for the pain, when it's not the reason for the pain. The reason for the pain is because the brain tells you it's sore, not because of what's on an x-ray or a scan. And when we can remove that label, in this case, change the label, then literally, you know, things start to to be different. But uh, yeah, I I like, I like what you said about labels and the leaves of a stream. So you've got this idea of a long string with thoughts on it and down it goes far, far, far away. In fact, it reminds me of, um, you know, what I used to share with patients not too dissimilar environment. We're, I used to say the same, we're not our thoughts. It's like standing on a bridge and you're looking at the stream and you're separate from the stream. You're not the stream. And that's the best way to look at thoughts and feelings as well. Whereas if you jump in the river for a swim, you become one with the water and you're in there. And that's what we often do. And getting on that bridge is essential. I guess it's just you remove the power from it. That's right. Exactly. And that's what I say. You know, my painful thoughts can hang around my head all day long, but if I'm not paying attention to them, I'm not focusing on them, and most of all, I'm not acting on them, (laughs) then they're not that big of a problem. Exactly. And these small, small changes, it's just Mm life-changing. Life-changing for people. Okay, so value-based I'm intrigued what you've got to say about that. Let's talk about these goal setting and values based. Give us some examples that you see in your clients. Well, a lot of folks will come into therapy feeling pretty lost and kind of drifting along, especially folks who have had persistent pain for a long time. They're not engaging in things that matter to them anymore. A lot of them, their time is spent going to medical appointments. 
so I start off right away by helping people clarify their values. And I, I think of values as a compass, right? I need to know the direction that I'm heading in and then I can set goals and check them off along the way instead of just kind of grasping at goals out there and hoping to find meaning in them to actually have a compass. So one of my first activities that I do is I ask everyone to determine their values when it comes to physical activity <laughs> because physical activity is so critical for pain that that's one that I asked everybody to do the same is that to determine what do I value about being physically active and it can be independence, it can be accomplishment or discipline or self-reliance and then I ask people to get really clear about what those values mean to them personally and then set some goals, starting out with like a three-month goal. So if I'm living out my physical activity value exactly how I want it to be, in three months, I'm going to be doing this. And the point is that it's a behavior or action. It's not a feeling. And then come back to an immediate goal. Okay, what can I start doing right away that's going to head me in that direction and next step and next step? And that just as an aside, that's when I start talking about what pacing is like visualization, graded exposure, left-right discrimination, that kind of stuff. And then I asked them to pick another area of their life. So in one ACT book I read, it identified 10 distinct areas in our life in which we can find value. It's spirituality, leisure, personal growth or education, work contribution, health and relationships, social, intimate, family, etc. So I asked them to pick one of those other domains and then again identify values and set some goals. There's this saying, people suffer less when they have something better to do. <laughs> so just kind of giving people a direction, but being strategic about it. Again, having it based in their values. That's amazing. That's really, really clever to get them to come up with what they want. Because we're all so different. You know, we've all got these different parameters and them. Um, I remember the, one of the speakers at the conference that we were at this year, I think it was the retired sheriff from the town. And uh, I'm sure it was this guy started with just like, was it moving his finger or moving his hand or his limb or something? And that's where he started on this journey of goals. Mm -hmm. And all these years later, he was like walking miles and miles and miles and a day. It was like, my goodness, you know. Yeah. Um, I always remember that story. So... Yeah, you've got to start where you are. you just got to start That's right. increasing it, right? So, so important. Absolutely. And it shifts people into active strategies, right? Moves them away from passive coping into active strategies. Exactly. And, that's, and neuroplasticity only happens through action, <laughs> doing something different. Exactly. Okay, now, I'm intrigued because we've talked about the second basic component of ACT. But you mentioned acceptance as number three, and you mentioned mindfulness. So first, let's talk about acceptance. So how do you do that? You mentioned sensation, thoughts, emotions. How does that work? So like I said, in the traditional model, it would be accept pain because there's nothing I can do, live my valued life. But so what I've kind of converted the acronym, I do AACT. The first A is awareness. That's our mindfulness piece. The second one is acceptance. And all I'm accepting is this is my experience in this moment. <laughs> Here are my thoughts. Here are my emotions. Here are my sensations. Because if I'm not accepting, then I'm doing a variety of things like resisting, denying, escaping, avoiding, which are all really time consuming. And what I also marry with acceptance is self-compassion. I don't necessarily like this. It's not fair. It's not okay with me. 
but can I just acknowledge what's already here and maybe give myself a little kindness? That's how I frame acceptance. Beautiful. So I'm intrigued now because you mentioned all these things I thought you were going to say. So what's the difference between mindfulness and acceptance? So mindfulness is awareness, right? That it's here, that it's with me. Acceptance is I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to resist it. Acceptance is hard to define, so I go to what it's not. <laughs> right? It's not. I go to the opposites, right? If, so I'm, I'm not going to resist it. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm not going to. I'm going to be with it, with some compassion. There's there's a saying. The curious paradox is that only once I actually accept myself, then can I change. Yes. So if values is where I want to head, acceptance is acknowledging where I'm starting. (laughs) No, it's really nice. It's really nice to just talk about these subjects because they're they're interwoven together. You can't really pull them apart. I love the work of Daniel Segal and and his work at UCLA and and talking about coal. You know, C is for curiosity, O is for openness or being open, A is for acceptance or awareness, and L is for self-love or self-compassion. And, you know, they're just the same thing, just yeah. an anagram. Yeah, I love bringing people back to that self-love concept of doing little things that are good for them, right? It could be just enjoying a cup of tea or coffee or going for a wee walk. In fact, it's better not to be big things, better to be little things that they can focus on on a daily basis. And, you know, when we can get our heart connected to that, we have this connection with the vagus nerve up into the brain and then you get this coherent effect where the synchronicity of the heart and the the brain work as a team and i like to say call it like magic because it's it's like you're holding your newborn baby and there's just so much love and acceptance for that baby and you're one with that baby but if you can do that with your activities through the day we're literally aligning ourselves with a healing modality that's deep deep within us and, and the work with HeartMath down in California, I've been studying this for over two decades, showing all this stuff through neuroscience and heart science, heart neuroscience, and, and proving it without a question of a doubt. And it just so beautifully ties into the act and what you're mentioning tonight. Just out of question, do you ever talk about HeartMath? And what you do? So I don't. I am familiar with heart math, with what it is a bit, <laughs> but I don't have a great familiarity with it. So I don't teach it. Okay. No, that's fine. I had Dirk um, Terpster on here several months ago and he was talking. I met him at a workshop I did in Vancouver. And so we had him on the show. He was talking a lot about it, but it's something I came across years and years ago, just reading around the subject of healing and trauma and it's a beautiful work that ties into your work a lot, actually. Mm. So it's fantastic. Well, um, coming to the end of the show here. So any final thoughts, maybe something you want to share that we haven't quite touched upon? Probably what I find most amazing about what I've learned in the modern science is that it's hopeful and it's so empowering. And it really has shifted my role from perception of me being a fixer to really being a facilitator and helping people build self-efficacy. And I just find that really exciting that we have, we have the capacity within ourselves, right, to heal and to change. And us as providers, we're just more kind of teachers and guides and cheerleaders. <laughs> and the more that people see that they can do for themselves and change, you know, the more that cultivates that belief 
And the more that gives them the tools to go forward in their life and just have a general tool set that they can continue to use for you know, whatever life throws at them. And I think that's the essence of the 21st century pain solutions is that right there. You know, you have the ability within yourself, within our DNA, I believe there's coding for healing. And we just need to align ourselves with that. And, um, you know, I'd just like to congratulate you on what you're doing there in Oregon and the team and the, the education you put on for practitioners and, you know, doctors. And it was a wonderful experience just being with like-minded people this year. So listen, Leanne, it's been a, a wonderful experience for me to talk to you tonight in person and just get some of your thoughts out there, sharing some knowledge that, you know, our patients can go themselves and look up ACT, Google it, maybe a practitioner near you can help you with that. If you're in Oregon, you should definitely look up Leanne. Leanne, do you have a website that could maybe help them? I don't. I just do it through the county, but people are welcome to contact me by email. It is L-D-Y-C-H-E, my first initial and last time, at co.linn.or.us. There you go, everybody. Give her an email and get some great information. <laughs> That's wonderful, wonderful. So Leanne, thank you again. Uh, I look forward to meeting you in person and down the road and uh, much appreciation. Thank you.